Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. A Celtic state of mind um, It's Friday It's the big one We're going into a massive week I am of course Paul John Dykes And I'm joined today by Lloyd Patrick Jepson And also One of our good friends From Celtic Down Under We welcome um, All the way from Sydney Stephen McCutcheon Stephen welcome to the show How are you? Yeah not too bad Not too bad Thanks very much for having me A uh, long time listener to the show So um, it's great to be on it's great to have you. It's great to um, be pals with the Celtic Down Under boys, obviously enjoying um, what we're seeing under Ange Postacoglu. Um, we were told by Jared and all that that this guy was an absolute genius, and they were right. Took mm-hmm. a few people to realise that, but uh, we're all definitely 100% in on Ange. And how else can we start off this weekend than talking about the only guy, not just in Glasgow, the only guy in the country that could sport not only double denim, a moustache and that barnet, um, and he walks into the brazen head and still looks the part, Lloyd Jepson. It was just it's just vintage Jota, isn't it? It was indeed. I asked my wife, actually, if I think I could pull that off, and she just straight away shut me down and said, no chance, don't do it. What about James McKenzie? He's halfway there. Yeah, it's halfway there, actually. We just need to get the denim tracksuit. <laughs> That's right, he's working on it. He's working on it. He's working on it. <laughs> Stephen, um, you will remember the Baird's Bar uh, press conference, mm. Vida Reseth and Kenny Dalgleish uh, mm. back in the day. That was an unusual one, wasn't it? Uh, go, what, what do you think uh, Kenny Dalgleish was thinking at that point? I don't know. I think they were trying to build uh, a little bit of a siege mentality around the club. You know, it wasn't the, wasn't the best time for us at that time. It was one of the worst seasons in the club's history. Um, and I think he was just trying to get everyone on board with the, with the fact that everyone's against us. Um, and that was, you know, 
I can remember at the time thinking, well, that's, that's a decent idea because we all think, you know, the media have got it in for us, so what better place to take them to, the, the Bears Bar, and make them feel really uncomfortable, which I'm sure many of them did. Yeah, aye, you're no joking. I remember, I mean, I used to love going to the Bears, and I've said this before, I didn't tend to go on match day, and I, I wasn't down that neck of the woods on match day, but generally, if I was going to the Barrowlands for a gig, I would always nip into Bears, and then I had the pleasure of uh, speaking to a long-time proprietor of the bar, and we'd done an interview with him for a Celtic State of Mind, but it was never aired. So you can just imagine what the content was like. <laughs> it's in the vault. It's in the vault. Maybe one day we'll be able to hear it. Uh, before we get stuck into the weekend's action then, Stephen, tell us a wee bit more about Celtic Down Under and where you are at this moment in time. OK, so Celtic Down Under, um, we've got a, a podcast, a group of podcasters who are putting out content uh, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, every week we've got a Monday weekend review show uh, that basically looks at the game from the weekend just gone. Uh, we've got a Tuesday show, which is hosted by my good self, uh, where we do a little bit about the games and talk a little bit more about sort of maybe historical content and maybe non-game content, um, which is basically aimed a lot at guys from the Southern Hemisphere who don't know as much about Celtic as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of interest in Celtic down here just now, as you, as you might imagine. Uh, we're, we're getting plenty of coverage on all the all the main sports channels. So there is a lot of questions getting asked about, you know, why are Celtic, you know, why do they wear green and white? Why are they connected to the Irish community and all that? So we've got loads of stuff to do. Uh, and that's what we do on a Wednesday, a Tuesday, sorry. And um, then on Wednesday night, you've got Jared hosting the, the Wednesday show, uh, which looks ahead to the to the game to come. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're just trying to grow interest um, and, and keep, get the name of Celtic out there. It's fabulous. I mean, we've noticed on uh, YouTube particularly when we look at who's tuning in, where they are, obviously when, when Ange came in, we knew there was a, a massive fan base in Australia and we've always had uh, people tuning in from Australia, but it's gone through the roof since Ange has come in. Um, and long may that continue. So uh, fair play to you and hopefully we'll see you on a regular basis on Axom as well. Stephen, we started off talking about Jota. I like the fact that Jota can just walk into a Celtic boozer like that, um, Lloyd, and feel kind of like comfortable, feel at home. People go on about the modern game and football footballers generally are quite untouchable. You know, I seen a picture the other day, Danny McGrain was trying to get back to full fitness during the 78-79 season and he's out cycling a bike around about the streets of Glasgow. And I think he stops at a traffic light and he's got his hand on a mini just to balance and the guy's just looking at this this mini. You would never see a footballer just going about his business like that. And lo and behold, Jota pops in. I don't know what he was drinking. It looked like he might have had a lemonade uh, for a wee game of pool. But it's great to see how that engagement still exists at Celtic as well, Lloyd. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like we spoke about the other week. Obviously, players nowadays don't go to supporters. That those are that afterwards now, so... It was nice for Jota just to appear in the brazen head, get a few pictures with some fans, play a bit of pool, whilst also sporting a certain Bumblebee jersey as well. So, Although I, I did hear you yesterday, Paul, that um, next season's a wake-up maybe. I think like I nicked that idea from you. I did. I, I nicked that idea, idea from, from you. you. That's a perfect segue from Jota wearing the retro Bumblebee kit to the leaked images, and I say leaked because I think the manufacturers do that on purpose to gauge a bit of um, interest. We'll come back to Jota because there's a big question mark over whether or not he will start. I think he's absolutely key to what we do on Sunday. But we will talk about the kit because you're sitting there wearing a a jersey that, uh, believe it or not, that was the jersey Celtic wore 
the first time in the flesh I saw us lifting a cup and it was the 1995 Scottish Cup final against Airdrie. Um, I think it's got better with age. Uh, I was wearing it on that particular day. They released it before the Cup final for marketing reasons. But you've got this kit that's, um, for me, it's doing the rounds, and I think it looks legit. A lot of these guys that do the graphics are as close to legit as you can get. But they're going for a real simplistic style, Stephen. I'm going to come back to you. You've got a couple of vintage jerseys hanging over your shoulder there. The, the Shamrock one, will we ever see us returning to that? Hopefully someday. But I like the idea that, you know, particularly from a distance, it just looks like the green and white hoops. So it's white on white, it's green on green. What's your take on it, Stephen? Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, I love it. I love the, the way it really closely resembles the Lisbon kit, probably the most iconic kit in the club's history. Um, and I've just been saying to my kids today that I wasn't buried in this kit if this is really, you know, if this is really the new kit. So I'm all for it. Uh, I love the way that, you know, a lot of people have been asking questions about the badge being, being sort of whited out, but I don't I don't mind it. Um, I just think it adds to the sort of retro feel of the kit. Uh, I think it'll be a big seller, especially the sponsorless version. Um, mm. they'll, they'll fly off the shelves for sure. Uh, oh. I can see the club making a lot of money out of this one. Hundred percent. I mean that that top you've got on Lloyd, right? That that mm-hmm. is proper nineties. Nineties was all about loads of detail. I mean, within the hoops, you've got lots of uh, crests and Celtic, uh, yeah, Irish uh, writing Celtic and all that. Yeah, it's quality, and obviously the hoops around the, the the collar. But there is nothing better. I agree with Stephen than that vintage, that quintessential Celtic kit uh, that we wore at Lisbon. And I remember New Balance done a pretty good version of it, where uh, all the details were gold. You remember mm-hmm. under Brendan Rodgers. Um, and, and shockingly, the player that I think of when I think of that jersey is Anton Rodgers, because remember he wore that in the friendly game. <laughs> he did. He did wear that in the friendly game. And from a distance, because of the way the sun shone on, on the crest and all that, it just looked like green and white hoops. The simple style of the green and white hoops. I love it. I mean, we've spoken about you know the blackout kits, and obviously mm-hmm. you get the whiteout kits. And I find it really interesting that um, when Celtic finally put the crest on, on the jersey, People were writing furious letters of complaint to the Celtic view. And now we're waiting it out and people aren't happy with that because it's the norm now. Uh, but I think, I mean, not only that, but if we went for the Bumblebee as well, Lloyd, and that was your idea, that which I un- unashamedly nicked yesterday, <laughs> we would be in for two massive sellers, two classic kits. Oh, they'd fly off the shelves. So they would, the home kit, if that is the, the genuine one, I believe is going to be the best seller because it's as close to the Lisbon kit you will ever get and obviously everyone's always said they wanted Adidas as a kit maker so there you go you're getting two for the price of one in that one so Aye, definitely a, a bumblebee kit it's got to happen got to happen under Adidas I think so I mean I, I'm a fan of both of the bumblebee kits that we've had and obviously we've used that colour scheme quite a bit my only concern is I've seen a version where the daffabet isn't white on white and green on green. It's just the Daffabet logo and it would maybe look a wee bit more like a sandwich board if you don't have the Adidas or the, the Celtic crest. But we shall wait and see. Um, this is the, the kind of least of our worries at this moment in time. We've got a massive game coming up. Um, Stephen, without completely revealing your age, how many trebles have you seen Celtic winning in your lifetime? And I'm guessing oh. by, by the time you tell us you're, you're going to reveal your age, but anyway, how many have you seen? Yeah. So the, the, the first treble uh, the first treble I seen was Martin O'Reilly's um in the year two thousand. So, you know, that was a a good bit into my Celtic supporting career. Um so you know, I've support I've been I've been following Celtic home and away since the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um saw some games in the late seventies when I was really young. 
Uh, but but since the early eighties, I didn't see a treble till till two thousand two thousand and one. So I think a lot of people who've been born slightly later than me um, think that trebles are easy to come by. But I don't think um, we should ever we should ever forget that that you know there's, there's been very few of them won by Celtic in the great scheme of things. It's remarkable. Um, you mentioned that era of Martin O'Neill, and we had the real pleasure and privilege of speaking to Martin O'Neill. Um, last month or the month before, we'll be talking to a couple of his uh, his team over the weekend, Alan Thompson tonight and John Hartson tomorrow night in Glasgow. And um, you're right to point it out because I remember growing up through a, a period where European football wasn't even a consideration, Lloyd. You know, it, it was uh, even if you look at that centenary team at that point, it was one or two rounds, and then you're out of Europe. And you know, the the run from the Real Madrid game in 1980, the quarter-final, and then Martin O'Neill coming to the club, we had never actually progressed beyond Christmas whilst still being in Europe, Lloyd. It's, it's a whole mm-hmm. generation of Celtic fans who had never really seen that. And then Martin O'Neill comes in and, and things definitely did change um, on the European kind of stage, but also domestically. That was the first treble, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, since 1969 under Jock Steen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So an unbelievable uh, achievement but like you were saying, Stephen, we've done it so often and, and regularly in, in kind of modern times mm-hmm. that um, I'm not going to call anybody spoil. I mean, absolutely lap it up. But we're now at a, a situation, Lloyd, where we're um, potentially heading towards our eighth treble, which would be a world record. Um, and, you know, a lot of that, I mean, I'm not going to take the final for granted. And even if I did, I know that Ange and, and the team wouldn't. But all, a lot of that hinges on, on Sunday. And what I've said here is Ange's Celtic side know how to take care of business. That's one for all the Elvis fans out there, TCB. Uh, but we do. We know how to take care of business. And I, and I think that's going to be key on Sunday. We've been through this before. Yeah, Rangers won a cup last season. But I just think there's a mentality in, in the Celtic side, Lloyd. And that's what's going to get us a result on Sunday. Yeah, I think so as well. It's... The same as Stephen, I'm, I was brought up the same round, round about time as Martin O'Neill when the treble and that, so that's all I've known ever since supporting Celtic because trebles, Europe's, it's four trebles in a row. So I've seen six trebles now in my time and possibly going for a world record eighth on Sunday. I know obviously what you're saying there, don't take either Inverness or Falkirk for granted, which you can't because that's just a separate game on its own, but you do need to take care of business on Sunday and a lot of that's got to come down to team selection. And if somebody has Hatati, Jota and Abada going to be fit. Mm-hmm. So it's it is about taking care of business now. So Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is with the trebles, as I say, lap it up, enjoy mm-hmm. every trophy win. I mean obviously I'm I'm going through Martin O'Neill's time quite quite a bit um, over the last few weeks etc and you look at the trophies we won but you also look at the ones that you've lost and you remember how bad that felt you know um, and we lost a couple of finals under uh, during Alan Thompson's time uh, both to Rangers we lost a couple of leagues both to Rangers on the last day and the way that that just punches your gut and leaves you uh, with that feeling of uh, disappointment I mean Stephen the Scottish Cup for me has always been um, special as a Celtic fan, it's, it is. You know, I, I think back to the games where it's play, played in front of the uh, the big Hamden crowds, and it's sun kissed. That's the memories that I remember. It's not always the way that it pans out, um, but obviously that that will only happen if we do take care of business. And we're going to be talking about 
the team selection. But what about the, me the mentality of the side, Stephen? You've seen teams under O'Neill. You've seen them under Billy McNeil. You've seen them under Brennan Rogers. There's a certain hardness and steeliness about this team. I think that's why we were probably disappointed even with a draw against Motherwell last weekend because we always expect us to have something in the tank, don't we? Yeah, I think... Um... What's impressed me most about Ange, um, other, other than, you know, he's obviously a tactical genius and everything. He knows so much about the game inside and out. But just the way he manages these situations, uh, and not only how he manages the, the playing group, but how he manages the supporters as well. And he seems to just keep everyone's feet on the ground uh, and stop us getting away from ourselves. You know, as supporters, we, we, we'll all be thinking ahead to cup finals. Uh, and you're right what you say, the cup final has always been a magical occasion. For us, right back to my time when I started supporting the club, the you know the first cup final I can remember was in 1985. Cup final with uh, David Proven and Frank McGarvey scored two late goals. Centenary season stands out, another two late goals. And, and these, are the, these are the occasions that stand out in your memory. So I think Angel know how important it is for the club because we've got a, a great history in the Scottish Cup. We've won it more than any other team. Um, and he would, I think he wanted to add that one very badly. He speaks about how disappointed he was with getting knocked out of the semi final stage last year. Um, so I think he wanted to go one better this year. But you'll never hear him getting ahead of himself. And even if we win on Sunday, there'll be no talk of winning the cup. Um, it'll be just treated as it'll be the next game, one game at a time, until it's time for the cup final. And whoever we play in the final will get the respect they deserve. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, without a doubt. I always thought back... Um, and this is maybe like, you know, you're looking back in a golden haze and it was always sunny in the summer and all that. It probably wasn't. I always think of League Cups back in the day when I was younger and it was dark. By the end of the game, it was dark and normally raining. And then Scottish Cups, end of the season, beautiful sunshine. Um, and particularly that centenary one that you mentioned there, Stephen, um, half the Celtic side had highlights in their hair. Um, Chris Morris, Derek White, Frank McIverney, they all had the Peter Grant, they all had uh, shared the bottle of peroxide, I think. Magnet67, you're in on the YouTube comments. Thanks for getting involved. We're about 500, over 550 strong in the live stream. And if you like what you're seeing, give us a big thumbs up on YouTube because it helps us out big time. After now, afternoon, Axrom team says Magnet67, performances haven't been up to our usual standard the last couple of games. We will need to raise it for Sunday. If we do, we win comfortably. If we don't, it might be tight. Right. So we're going into this game now. One of the, the matches, Lloyd, that I mentioned um, earlier on this week was when we absolutely dismantled Cel uh, Rangers 3-0 at Celtic Park. Um, it was a brilliant night. It was 3-0 at half-time. It could have been anything in the second half. Great atmosphere. Um, but leading into that game, we were disappointing against Dundee United. We really struggled to break them down. Uh, we needed a, a last-minute Abada goal to win the game. Um, so going into the game and I'm not going to use the old cliche about form going out the window because I don't necessarily believe that's the truth uh, but going into the, these games certainly in the last three matches that we've played against Rangers we've not been at our best have we but we've still found a way but I think you can only ride your luck so long um, before you might actually falter 
Uh, going into this game on Sunday, how big is the performance? Not just the result, but the performance for you. I think the performance is going to be key because I don't like to say it, but pressure's kind of off us a little bit in this one due to the fact we've kind of wrapped up the league now and it is just all about Sunday. So we, we know what we need to do in that aspect. Performance against Motherwell wasn't great, but then near was the second half against Kilmarnock. So we are due to turn up very shortly against Rangers because the last three games against them have been great. Not really, but we've still managed to get the results. And that's also the main thing as well, the end result. So it's one of these ones where who plays? Is it form players? Is it? I mean, you know you're going to get goals for Kyogo, so that's another thing as well. But it's it's hard to tell going in without obviously hearing what the team selection and that is. Mm-hmm. But you just you have it in your idea in your mind what you think it will be, and that's kind of what you go with on that one. So, so yeah, you mentioned the Kelly game, and yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know the second half was a different match. But see for that twenty-seven minutes, see for that half hour, we were absolutely untouchable. Uh, yeah, and, and you know the first half against Rangers in the three-nothing game. Um, but again, when you watch that that game back, the chance you had in the second half could have it could have been four, five, six, could have been anything. Um, if we if we find that form, Stephen, against this Rangers side, I think we're all of the opinion and the belief that they, they won't be able to live with us. Why do you think it is though that, and maybe in the last three games, and it's not been disappointing for me because we've won or, or drawn the games, it's not been an issue. We've won a cup. Um, have we not been able to click into that into that form? Is it because, and I mentioned this as well. A lot of these games, um, a, a particular player has been brought back into the side, having maybe missed a few games, or in the, the case of Juranovic, he, he switches positions to left back, doesn't play that well. We threw in Forrest, remember, on the right wing, didn't play great. Um, Moy was off it a wee bit in the last game. Do you think a lot of it's to do with that, Stephen, and it's, it comes down to selection? Yeah, definitely. A lot of a lot of what happens on on Sunday will be down to who's who's fit and, and able to take take to the field. Um, I do agree with what what Lloyd said there. We haven't really hit form against Rangers for a for a number of games now, but I do believe that uh, if we hit form on the day, then then uh, they can't live with us. And I, and I can see us taking taking a few goals off them, um, as well as our team selections. You know, they they've got their own worries as well. Uh, with um, Goldson potentially missing the game, and if he doesn't play, we all seen uh, in the last game what what John Suter's like at the back for them, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to get in around them um, and put as much pressure as we can on them because th- th- there's joy there to be had for our strikers. And Kyogo is one player who who's on such a rich vein of form just now. As uh, you would definitely you put money on him to, to get a goal, uh, and I believe he's going for a record of scoring in four old fun games in a row uh, and that would be quite something for him to achieve You know, i seen something on Twitter, um, I was quite surprised probably shouldn't have been because he was a he was a set-piece specialist that the last uh, player um, either for Celtic or Rangers in this fixture in a Glasgow derby to score in four consecutive fixtures was John Collins so even the likes of Henrik Larson didn't do it. Alan Thompson had a fantastic record against Rangers. He didn't do mm-hmm. it. Yep. Uh, but John Collins did it. And I think it was between, was it 90, in fact, probably before 94, it was at maybe 92 and 94. And he had this habit of scoring free kicks against Rangers. Um, Ewan Boy Martin, it'll be good to see you tonight. At Gracie's Hail Hail Troops, says Ewan. Very excited for this weekend. Starting tonight, going to see Alan Thompson at Gracie's. Um, looking forward to it myself. Uh, Tomo. 
I think, you know, in his time at Celtic, he, he was a goal scorer of big goals. You look mm-hmm. through his um, his career at Celtic, he loved the goal against Rangers. He scored some really important European goals. He, he won as the Scottish Cup in uh, O'Neill's last season. So I'm looking forward to asking his take. Now, there's been a few people picking up on the Elvis references here. So we'll start off with Jungle Lion. TCB, love the Angie Elvis team today. Well, there is only one king, isn't there? And that's uh, Ange Postacoglu. And uh, we've also got the Urban Culture. A little less conversation and more Elvis puns needed. Yes, feel free in the comments section to get the Elvis puns out your system. We started off talking about the only person that's able to walk into the brazen head with a mullet, a moustache and double denim and still pull it off, and that's Jota. Um, I think the wings, I'm going to start with yourself, Stephen. I'm going to, I'm going to look at the wings, and I think that's going to be key. Um, to this game because what we've got there is we've got two right wingers in Jota and Abada who have got a great record against Rangers and there's a question mark over both of them um, I'm going to ask you first if everybody's fit so Abada's uh, back Jota's back you've got Mehdi you've got Haksabanovic Vata let's not forget Vata mm-hmm. uh, we know that, that Forrest is out if the rest of them are fit who starts on the left and who starts on the right for you? Well, it's for me, it's definitely got to be Jota on the right um, and Maeda on the left. Um, I think um, the work Maeda does off the ball in these games is, is, is more crucial than what he does on the ball. Um, and he keeps their, he keeps their right-hand side occupied, uh, watching for him getting in behind them. Um, and that's a, that takes a big part of their attacking game out the, out the, out the equation. Um, Jota, for me, he's, he's up there you know, potentially as a player of the season for us. Um, and I, I don't think you can leave him out. Um, he just brings so much to the game. I think Haksabanovic has been struggling uh, on the right-hand side the last few games, and I just don't think he's got the sort of game awareness that Jota has. He, he doesn't seem to be getting inside as much uh, and getting into the box and getting on the end of things. And Jota showed already this season that he can do that, uh, and he's, he's a big game player, uh, and he's a guy I'd be looking to, to, to deliver on Sunday. I think the composure that he's shown, you know, when you look at the goals that he scores against Rangers, I think the composure that he's shown has been phenomenal in that that situation, Lloyd, where you're maybe running on, as he did to the, the Matt O'Reilly pass, mm-hmm. the through ball, which was sensational pass. And, you know, the finish has to be absolutely inch perfect. And then, obviously, in the last game where he beats McGregor to the ball and the tight angle to, to maintain that kind of composure. And I think to myself... You know, we've seen we've seen a badder, you know, being very, very composed against Rangers. Um Haksabanovic on the back of a couple of I would say less than great performances uh, on the right hand side. Would he have that composure if given the chance? And that would be my concern. It could come down to that one chance and the player having the composure just to knock it away. And I've got absolute confidence that Jota would be able to. So I, I'm in agreement with you, Stephen. I think uh, Maeda, he, he's vital on the left for the work rate and the shift that he puts in, the defensive qualities that he shows. We go on about it all the time. Um, a lot of that sometimes goes under the radar, uh, but I think it's vitally important to this team. And in this fixture, and on the right-hand side, Jota, you know, and I'm not I'm not taking a dig at Abada, but I think Jota's miles ahead of Abada at this moment in time, Lloyd. Uh, but I think Abada would be fantastic as an impact sub if he also makes it. Yeah, I think so. I think Abada... Would suit coming off the bench, and this considering how long he's been out as well, you need to take that in consideration. So, but Jota for me, I completely agree with Stephen in that one. Jota on the right and Maeda on the left for. And was that great in Maeda? 
You know, what I'm looking forward to seeing, though, is uh, when a, a band or a footballer are, are so iconic that people start nicking their styles. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing a return to the double denim um, at Celtic Park. I mean, my dad's never stopped wearing the double denim, so he'll fit right in. Um, Martin Wilmot, um, afternoon, confident for Sunday. I like that, Martin. But I worry uh, regarding our defence. It's set pieces, one-on-one defending and leaving players unmarked at the far post. Scoring won't be the issue on Sunday. It's keeping them out. Right. I'm going to take a couple of these points. First one, back post. Uh, Alistair Johnson against Rangers in the last game, Stephen. And maybe the one-to-one. Uh, Van Veen um, against Taylor, maybe, you know, at the weekend there. Is it a concern for you, Stephen? Because we do have a fantastic defensive record overall. Yeah, I think it's been slightly overhyped, uh, our set-piece issues. I mean, the, the the goals you mentioned there, um, the, the one that... The, um, the Rangers scored with Tavernier got in round the back. Um, that that was just a like a broken up play from a corner, and he was just kind of hanging around after taking the corner. Um, and yeah, there was a there, there's a point to be made that the cross should have been shut down a bit quicker. Uh, but Johnson had tucked in as all good fullback should. Um, so it was just a case that maybe one of the midfielders uh, could didn't track Tavernier into the box. Uh, and the goal that Van Veen scored on the weekend there, yeah, that that was just a poor piece of one-on-one defending uh, by by Taylor. Uh, but we can also look at the fact that he was one v one against the striker from what was mm. essentially our corner kick. So we need to. Uh, I've watched that goal back a couple of times, and it was a quick, a quick corner taken by Matt O'Reilly, uh, and we didn't seem to have time to get our shape right for that corner, even though it was our corner. We were stuck one v one at the back, and Water was kind of like halfway in a halfway house between the penalty box and the centre circle. So I think that just that was just a communication breakdown. Uh, but we need to get that right because you can't, you know, you, you can't afford to give chances like that to Rangers on Sunday. Uh, but I'm not too worried about set pieces in general. Uh, Carter Vickers and Starfelt have been dealing with, with most of their crosses into the box. Yeah. You know, the, the big thing is, um, it might be different in the comments, let me know. But I look at the uh, every single week, Lloyd, I look at the predicted kind of lineup, and the back five does pick itself. Uh, Kyogo is one of the first names on the team sheet up top. And the only real question from week to week is, and a lot of this is down to fitness as well as form, is your midfield trio and your two wingers. Um, and if everybody's fit, I play Maeda and I play Jota every single week. But the defence has been solid. I mean, um, Johnson comes in. I'm not going to say he's been flawless, but he's settled right into that that role. I think he's been brilliant. And he, he really, I think he thrives in a game like this game on Sunday against Rangers. Left back, Greg Taylor, sensational uh, turnaround in his career, actually, under Ange Postacoglu. And then the two, I, I've liked what I've seen of Kobayashi, but he's not going to displace Carter Vickers or Starfield on this form. So I, I really don't have any concerns, but I take the point. Uh, that Martin made earlier on, Lloyd. There has been a couple of frailties, but over a season you're going to get that, regardless of how solid your defence is. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's, the the defence has been fantastic all season, only conceding, I think, 26 goals in the league all season. So you can't really complain at that aspect. And you think about the fact we lost Juranovic in January, and Johnson's been brilliant since he's come in. Mm-hmm. And he's been money. I wouldn't say he's been... Next season of the year, but that's still to come across from Johnson. But Taylor's Taylor's probably had his best season ever at Celtic this season, so I, he would be up there for player of the year for me as well. So I'm 
no complaints about the defence whatsoever. It's interesting that we're talking about defenders um, as a player of the year. When you look at, obviously, the, the style of Celtic, um, the goals, the amount of goals that we're, we're scoring, we're going for records in, in terms of goals scored. Um, we will have a wee chat about the player of the year. And Paddy Lavery, by the way, if CCV scores a hat-trick, that will be called an American trilogy. Keep the Elvis puns coming in. This is fantastic. <laughs> We've got the Urban Culture as well. I hear Beal is singing about Celtic always being on his mind. Yes, we have a winner, I think. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Danielle, in you come as well on the YouTube. Not really worried about Sunday. More concerned about certain parts like set pieces and Willie Collum. We say it virtually every single week. Hopefully we're not talking about uh, any refereeing issues or VAR issues at the weekend. I do want to talk about that midfield trio. Let me know, though, Stephen, um, if you disagree with my point about the defence or Kyogo and if you'd make any changes. Um, but if not, what do you do with the midfield for this game on Sunday? Yeah, well, I don't disagree. Kyogo picks himself um, and, and the back four pick themselves as well. And I echo what you're saying about Alistair Johnson. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, in the right back position, it reminds me a lot of Tom Boyd, um, very underrated uh, defender for Celtic, and that great going forward, good solid edge to him, puts in a great tackle, uh, and it looks as if he's built for built for these games against Rangers. Um, as far as the midfield's concerned, there's a decision to be made there, and I think that's where Ange is going to have to you know get his thinking hat on. Um, I can see him sticking with McGregor and Iwata and swapping out Hitati for O'Reilly, uh, if Hitati's fit, of course. Um, I think this is a type of game where you've got to be disciplined defensively as well as, as pushing forward when you can. I don't think it worked against Motherwell. Uh, I think that there was an issue against Motherwell where Iwata and McGregor were occupying a lot of the same spaces a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think against Rangers it will be different. They do break on you from midfield quite a lot. And they have got a little bit of pace in their team. So I think that will be required. But I think O'Reilly probably will just miss out. Hattati will come back in the team. Uh, could be wrong about that, but, but that's the way I see it. It's interesting because you're right. I, I don't think it was as fluid against Motherwell. I keep going back um, to that period of the game where we, we beat Rangers 3-2. And I think that um, that the period where Awata comes on and we take the lead and then we extend the lead was us winning the game, if you ask me. And I think, obviously, Moy wasn't really at the races that day. Lloyd Awata came on and made an instant impact, and it worked, and it worked really, really well. And that's why all week I've been thinking Awata, McGregor, and O'Reilly. But I do agree with Stephen. There was something not quite right um, with that, that trio against Motherwell. Can you see Ange throwing Hatati back in? We know he's capable. 
He is capable of doing it. Um, I, I would love to see it because I'm very eager to see a midfield three, uh, Hattari, Awata and McGregor. So even that aspect once again, but it's once again, it's come down to how long he's been out injured and the fact it's an hamstring injury as well. So do you risk him or would you rather keep him on the bench and make an impact for there with half an hour to go, maybe depending on how the game's going? You know, That's... these these are the big dilemmas. These are the big dilemmas. And an hour before kickoff, when that team um, appears on Twitter and it starts getting shared around all the WhatsApp groups, um, either or, I think is my answer. Uh, you know, if I see Hattati on the starting lineup, I'm I'm hardly going to be disappointed. You know, um, but um, similarly, I think O'Reilly's been very, very good in the last few games. He's started scoring goals. He's brilliant with the assists. I just want to give a, a big shout out to Darren McDonald, who is a long time listener to a Celtic State of Mind, and hopefully you're tuning in uh, from home. You got in touch during the week there and hopefully we're going to be able to cheer you up a wee bit by sending you something in the post as well. So uh, take care and get well soon, Darren. We've also got Jamie coming in on the YouTube. Hail, hail everyone from Wellington, New Zealand. Um, it's great to know that we're uh, tapping into all these different areas all over the globe. Paddy is on form today. Have we got suspicious minds regarding VAR? I think we need to have even more suspicious minds, to be fair. Uh, Joe Hamilton, as a Wayne, I saw the Lisbon Lions squad jogging on a regular basis. They called it running back then. Um, and we have Ian O'Sullivan, happy Friday from Cork, number one, CSC, currently recovering from surgery. Thankfully, I have Axom to get me through recovery and get well soon, Ian. Yes, um, there has been, I think, um, a big part of that as well. When we moved up to Lennox Town, we didn't really have players hanging about the stadium as much. Um, I've been at the, just during a, a random day during the week, I've been in the Superstore and I've seen Joe Hart kicking about uh, from time to time as well. And it's great to see them engaging with, with fans and guys like me who pretend that you're engaging because of your wee guy, but you actually just want to see people like Joe Hart yourself. Uh, the Green Brigade then, Stephen, what do you tell uh, your pals over in Australia about the Green Brigade? Because they've got a campaign this weekend where we're, we're going to really make a, a statement uh, and turn hand in green and white uh, Yeah I'm a big fan of the Green Brigade, I love what they bring to, to the match day atmosphere uh, I love the TFOs, I love the displays uh, how you explain some of them to um, to the locals down here in, in Sydney is another question, it's a little bit complicated but um, I love what they're doing um, what they're doing this weekend, get, asking everybody to wear the hoops, I think that will look sensational um, if you look back at the iconic pictures that came back from Seville, uh, when so many people had the hoops on, obviously it was really hot and sunny and everyone had the short-sleeved hoops on there and it just looked phenomenal. It looks great when you get such a big crowd uh, all wearing the, the famous hoops. So looking forward to seeing that. Uh, and a big thumbs up for the Green Brigade. Yeah, I think it's going to look brilliant. And, you know, as soon as i seen it, that was the vision of um, Seville where, you know, the joke was made, it's just a sea green and white, and then, you know, there's one salt tyre in the middle of the, <laughs> the fan base. I've actually got a big print out there. I'm getting it signed for somebody uh, tonight from Tomo and, and Hartson tomorrow night. Um, what about yourself? What, what's your get-up when you go to the games, Lloyd, other than the double denim? Do you wear the hoops to the games generally? Normally I do, yeah. Black jeans, hoops, Adidas Sambas. Celtic Adidas Sambas. Celtic Adidas Sambas. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that one. Absolutely. And um, no, again, what, what Stephen's saying there, it interests me when people have this um, interest in Celtic, but they weren't born into it. So they get into it. I mean, we had uh, 
over the charity weekend in December, we interviewed Chaz Nuki Burden, the, the journalist and author, who is very, very active on Twitter, big Celtic fan, but he wasn't born a Celtic fan. He discovered the club, you know, and he loves the club. And, and he tells a story about how he discovered them and that whole process, which is different from people like me, I guess, who... You know, you're born into a family and everybody supports Celtic and that's just part of your, um, you know, it's like a a rite of passage um, to go to your first game, to see your first cup final, to get your first jersey, all these different things. Uh, but I do find it interesting when people fall in love with, with Celtic. Um, but that that's why I was asking Stephen, how do you explain the Green Brigade to, to someone from the outside looking in? I think what they've done has been sensational. A lot of the, the charity work they do is, is tremendous as well, Lloyd, and they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, they definitely do. A lot of the charity work kind of goes under the radar of what they do. That normally... People just focus on certain banners or certain songs that they sing, but they do do quite a lot of charity and a lot of. I think they give a lot to food banks and that as well, and collecting on match days. So, yeah, things like that they need praise for mm-hmm. as well. Aye. So you don't forget the good things they do, and they maybe also do create a great atmosphere. Oh, they do, and, and maybe today's show will um, inspire them to do a big Ange as Elvis TCB. Tifo, you never know how these things go. Um, Megan, Megan B, welcome to the show. Love the pictures of Jota. The guy just gets it. Hope we see him on Sunday. Yeah, I hope so too. I think he's um, a massive game changer against Rangers. Fanny Weldon, afternoon for Hopeman, Mori. Uh, welcome to the Axom family. Stephen, there you go. You're getting your first welcome from Franny, long-time viewer of a Celtic state of mind um, as well. I love the Green Brigade. I think that there's going to be a brilliant atmosphere on Sunday for everybody who's got a ticket. We'll be covering it on a Celtic state of mind. Um, we spoke about players of the season. Um, goals of the season, Stephen, I think it speaks volumes. Jota with the five goals. Jota has got three of them. Um, Jota versus Aberdeen, uh, long-range effort at Celtic Park, another long-range effort against Kilmarnock away, Kyogo against Dundee United, another long-range effort as it happens, Jota against Rangers um, and McGregor against Aberdeen and the McGregor, the Jota goal against Rangers is the one where O'Reilly's played him through mm-hmm. and he's dinked it in that brilliant iconic celebration and the McGregor against Aberdeen was up at Petodre when we kind of struggled to break them down but we got there and we won 1-0 mm-hmm. Um, so many to choose from even beyond that there have been so many quality goals scored this season Stephen um, if you were to pick one what would it be? It's a Jota goal against Rangers for me uh, every time um, not just um, his touch uh, the way he, he just kills it and then he just dinks it over the keeper but it's also the pass from Matt O'Reilly uh, with the outside of the foot it was absolute iron needle stuff um, and that's probably you know the high point of his season, that's, you know, it was at the peak of his form at that time, Matt O'Reilly. Um, and just that combined with the, the touch and the finish makes that, that's the goal of the season for me, for sure. Um, I'm going to bring something up before I ask you. Look, I don't disagree with that. I've got a tick next to that one myself and a big part of it is that through ball. The way he done it, Stephen, um, he, you know, there, there's a couple of Rangers players off balance by the, the way that he plays that ball. It's just tremendous, inch perfect, like you say. Um People often come onto the comment section, Lloyd, and talk about lookalikes, and someone has come up saying that you are the spitting image of, what was the last one? Was it James Forrest's big brother or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, well, this one is a young Ray Winston. <laughs> I can see that, by the way. I'll take that. I can see that. And he, have, deve- take that. he developed into a sexy beast, so 
Yeah, you can maybe <laughs> take that one, mate. Right, goal of the season for you then, Lloyd? Yeah, it's Jot against Rangers. Mm-hmm. Every day of the week. It, to me, that goal for probably the young generation, for me, the goal I'll always go back to is the Henrik Chip in the 6-2 game. Oh, yeah. So for so for young guys who'll grow up, that'll be the goal they'll always remember, I think. So, yeah, definitely that one. I was just looking at that game this morning, um, and I've mentioned on here before, much to my eternal regret, um, I was actually at Reading Music Festival when we beat Rangers 6-2, Stephen. Uh, me and my brother, both season ticket holders, but we were doing at Reading, watching the likes of Oasis, Primal Scream, um, Rage Against the Machine, etc., whilst looking around about um, Reading for a pub that might be shown the 6-2 game, uh, not knowing it was going to be 6-2, obviously. Um, but what I found quite interesting was we were in uh, conversations at that time to bring in Alan Thompson from Aston Villa. Uh, we eventually did, and he played in the next game. So he missed the 6-2 game. He plays in the next game, and it was a cup game, League Cup against Wraith Rovers, and we beat them 4-0, right? And uh, bizarrely enough, because sometimes your timelines get a wee bit muddled until you obviously look back, uh, because I'll be asking them a few questions tonight. The three substitutes that Celtic brought on that night against Wraith Rovers, bear in mind this is the game after the 6-2 game. So we think about the, the incredible performance by Bobby Petter. We think about that dink by Henrik Larson. The game after that, the three substitutes we brought on against Wraith Rovers were Olivier Tabili. Ayo Berkovic and Raphael Scheidt. So Martin O'Neill still had a job to do, Stephen, when he came in, didn't he? He still had a lot of dead wood to get ready. Yeah, and don't forget the 6-2 game itself, uh, when Chris Sutton knocked the sixth goal in, um, the cross came from Stefan Mahi. So, yeah, you're right, he did have a lot of work to do. Um, and that 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 side that took the field that day in the 6-2 game it was very far from complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no Neil Lennon either in the team. Uh, he was he was still to be added. There was no John Hartson. Um, they were all to come later. So it was only a couple of games into the Martin O'Neill era. And the interesting thing I remember about that game, all the people I travelled to the game with that day, every single one of us would have took a draw. Mm-hmm. We'd have all been happy with a draw. That that was where we were at that point. So right. that was a sensation. It was just a sensational day from start to finish. Um, and, and really just sort of announced the Martin O'Neill era with, with a bang. You know, you're right going into that game because this is something that, um, I'm not going to say it's easy to forget, there's a lot of other things happening around about that time and I'll ask Tom tonight about how he feels about losing trophies to a team who, um, you know, it was later revealed were at the shenanigans, I think is probably the best way to describe it. But when you look at a game like that, Martin O'Neill came in and he was full of praise for Rangers. He called them the benchmark, Stephen. He was full of respect for what the challenge was in front of him. So going into that game, you're right, it was it was unbelievable that we were able to dismantle them and beat them 6-2. Mm-hmm. Later on in the season, as it happened, they beat us 5-1 at Ibrox. Um, uh, you know, so they were a very, very strong side. And generally speaking, if we got to a final or if we lost the league, we, we were losing it to, to a very, very strong Rangers side back then. But the reason I bring that up is because Martin O'Neill showed them the respect, Lloyd. And uh, mm-hmm. even in the last week, I've been reading, I don't even remember the guy's name, no disrespect to him, but some some assistant arrangers going on about things that Ange Postacoglu has said that's upset them. And I, yeah, I've to, seen to be honest myself. with you, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what he's, he's going on about because I've always felt Ange Postacoglu has been nothing but respectful to the opposition, regardless of who we're playing. Yeah, it has been. I think 
the comments that the assistant managers on about after the League Cup final. But even then, Ange was still respectful of his opponents, as he's always been. So maybe, once again, needs to keep things in-house. But then again, that certain club don't keep anything in-house because I see the players have been running their mouths off again before a big game. So I hope Colin's got that in the bingo card. Yeah, Colin is running a bingo card for such things and such headlines. But Stephen, it's all about just keeping your own house in order, isn't it? And I think O'Neill was an absolute specialist at that. And I feel that Ange has been a specialist at that. And it's about just respecting your opponent. I don't think that we get the due respect. But to be honest with you, if that's the way they go about their business, I'm happy with that because I don't think it's good uh, preparation for a game of this magnitude. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that, that that was really bizarre. Um, what the, their assistant manager said, um, I, I'm like you, I can't even remember his name. That that's how much of a, a non-entity he is. But to say that you know, Ang said something uh, which we didn't like, but we're not going to tell you what it was. But it left a bad taste in the mouth. I mean, that's just bizarre nonsense, really. Um, and they never learn. Um, and one of the things that, that that we we hear every time we play them is the real Rangers are going to turn up. You know, the real Rangers are turning up this Saturday. And it must be the real, real, real Rangers now, because this is the third game in a row. We've been expecting the real Rangers, and, the, and the, 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 the results just seem to be the same. So, you're right, they don't seem to learn. Um, but I guess, you know, Bill's fighting a losing battle just now because he's trying to get the fans on side, whether he's trying to say the right thing, the things that they want to hear. But at the same time, he's just setting himself up for, for failure. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, you're right, because I think that you've got to come out and um, I think you've got to be balanced. But what he tends to do is uh, plays to the gallery and, and it tries to appeal to the, the fan base. But a lot of that, I think, is political within the, the terms of the fact within that club. If you're going to be launching something, i.e. season ticket sales, you've got to be positive. You can't actually be honest about it. Um, so coming out and saying you know, with regards to his budget for this summer. Uh, anybody with a set of eyes knows that what he said is not true. You just have to look at the spreadsheet, uh, look at the financials. You know it's not true. He can't outspend Celtic. He can't spend more than what Gerard or, or any of these previous managers spent. It's just not possible. They don't have the finance. We'll come back to that in a moment or two. Um, going into this game, uh, as, as I said yesterday, um, and what... Uh, I don't know if that's Jean-Paul II. Uh, we've only won seven trebles. That's right, we have. We've won seven, uh, which is a joint record at the moment. And if we get eight, then, as John Bosas asks, it will be a world record. Um, Rangers and all their different guises combined have also won seven. So it'll be pretty sweet if we do win uh, the eighth this season. Now, if we win the league, if and when we win the league, Lloyd, um, it's very, very unlikely highly unlikely that we'll do it at a packed Celtic Park. And a lot of that um, chat has been uh, in the press over the last few days. Martin O'Neill's waded in um, and the, the best style that he knows uh, will ruffle a few feathers. Ange Postacoglu's spoken about it. But it is disappointing. And I don't think it's a case of 
Celtic fans are, are being entitled because we want to see our club winning the league at home. You just need to look at the original nine in a row. Um, someone in the in the comment section, maybe even Stephen, you'll be able to help me out with this. Was there not something like seven of the leagues were won at an away ground? Now, it was different back then. Obviously, the fixtures were announced at the beginning of the season. It was just your luck. Mm-hmm. But Scottish football has a habit of shooting us itself in the foot. And when you can have a big spectacle at Celtic Park where we can win the league within the next couple of games, you would expect that to be the case, but it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're either going to win it at Tynecastle or Ibrox. What's your take on it, Lloyd? Yeah, I'm not partic- I kind of agree with what Ange said on, on Tuesday in his interview. That it would have been a lot better to win it in front of 60,000 Celtic fans. And then that way you could have got a right good party atmosphere. <sighs> Only 1,200 tickets at Tynecastle if we clinch it in that day and then zero fans at Ibrox if we don't clinch it at Tynecastle. It's, it's not really fair on us, does it? You need to wait three weeks to celebrate. So you won't celebrate for three weeks? Oh, no, I, I will celebrate. <laughs> uh, definitely. I'll, hopefully I'll be celebrating on Sunday as well, right enough, but Absolutely, but it's you want to go to these games, enjoy it, the game, and then obviously if you do clinch the league, then it is it's party time. But mm-hmm. the lockout only a certain few. I mean, we're even seeing with the semi final this weekend, people are still clamouring to try and get tickets for that as well. So when, like you said, Scottish football just shoots itself in foot every single time. Mm-hmm. I know it's a big occasion. We can handle the occasion. Uh, we've done it before, but unfortunately we won't be able to. Um, from afar then, Stephen, uh, we've asked you how you explain the Green Brigade to your, your pals over in Australia. Um, how do you explain Scottish football? How do you explain the way that this game is run over there? Yeah, it's quite a hard sell uh, when the game, you know, we seem to be the league that hates itself. Uh, we don't seem to do anything right. Um, I was reading uh, earlier on today that Sky have got the have got in their contract their ability to show forty eight games, uh, and they're only showing forty two. Um, so for some inexplicable reason, they're leaving six games out, and there's not without you know there's not there's not there's there's drama still to be had in the league out with who wins the league. There's European places up for grabs. There's relegation up for grabs, um, and we, we just we sell ourselves short every time, and it's no wonder. People looking in think it's a it's a joke league uh, when when we all that's that's what we portray ourselves. We do, and and it's so unfortunate. And sometimes when people are on the outside looking in, um, and I, I remember was it Eddie Hearn that was speaking about it, the, the marketing of the Scottish game and how much better it should be. And you know, if somebody came in with a bit of vision, they would probably be laughed at the building because uh, it's not shared with you know with the Blazers at um, the SFA. And I think um, one of the big things as well is we bring in somebody like Ange Postecoglou, who is a visionary, um, and the way that uh, he's transformed, so giving us a complete reset. Um, be that you know the style of play, the mentality, uh, but also the recruitment, and you hope that that continues uh, even beyond Ange's tenure. But all we hear, Lloyd, is Ange is going to take this job, Ange is going to take that job. It's almost as if as soon as he's come in and proved to be a good thing for Celtic and for Scottish football, uh, they'd much rather see the back of him. What do you make of all the uh, the links? They're, they're starting again. I'm pretty sure we're going to get loads in the summer. I have absolutely no fear at this moment in time in relation to Angie's future at Celtic, Lloyd? No, near the eye. It's, I definitely won't be doing a Brendan Rodgers anyway anytime soon. I know that for a fact. So I've got no worries of Angie leaving. When, when Angie leaves, he'll announce it himself when he's going to do it. He won't. I don't think he's the type of guy that will just jump ship right away. 
he's he's got a project to do here. He'll see that project out, and then he'll leave at the right time. You know, the right time. The, the time comes for everybody, um, mm-hmm. and we've seen we've seen great managers, Stephen. We've seen great managers at Celtic. It didn't feel like the right time when Brendan Rodgers left. I, I still can't get my head around it. I know it's about money um, and ego and, and a clash of personalities behind the scenes and all that kind of thing. But I, that didn't feel right and it never will feel right, the, the, the timing of Brendan Rodgers' departure. But everything comes to that eventual end. I mean, we look back so fondly on Martin O'Neill's time. Um, did that feel right? It still, it felt a wee bit premature to me. I still felt as though he could have done something, or was it coming to the end of the cycle? Could he rebuild it again the way that he did when he first came in? Who knows with hindsight? But Ange Postecoglou is—he's only season two into his tenure at Celtic. I think he does have aspirations in Europe. Whether or not he can um, fulfil them in English football, I'm not so sure because that is a basket case down there. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, down here, uh, we have a lot of EPL fanboys who, who, who can only see the English Premier League as, as much as the world can. Um, and the talk is all about Ange, when's he going to the Premier League? And I, I'm not convinced they ever will. Um, and and if, he wants to, if he wants a warning, he should look at what's happened to Brendan Rodgers and also to Steven Gerrard. Uh, both of them left Scotland on a high having just, obviously, Gerard won one league. So, you know, great for him. But Brendan Rodgers won every trophy he could when he played at the time in Scotland. And the best club he could get in England was Leicester City. Mm-hmm. So he's gone down there, a few reasonably successful years, and he's lost his job and they're getting relegated. So I would hate to see that happening to Ange. And with the best will in the world, unless he does something incredible in Europe with Celtic next year, he's not going to get a top six job in the Premier League. They always go for, for Hollywood managers. Um and he's gonna to have to if he goes there it'll be a mid table club he ends up at. And I would hate to see him in, in that sort of avoiding relegation battle and just staying in the league as success. So I can honestly see him when his time's up at Celtic. And I don't see him leaving for a couple of years yet. I can see him looking to the continent to maybe, I don't know, the, the Bundesliga or maybe even Spain or something like that. Some some place where his tactics will be appreciated. It's, it's a great point because so many people think that the dest- the final destination for any talent is English football. But I think it's different with Ange. And I agree with what you say there. You just have to look at the, the big clubs and their uh, their recruitment policy of, of managers. Um, I mean, there's, there's some curveballs in there, of course, but you know, is he going to get an offer from a top six club? Um, and then you look at some of the clubs as well down south and how quickly their stock can can drop. Um, and, you know, I think that if he wants to do something um, in European football, this is a place for him to do that. He can build it. Um, you know, we've got the, the domestic uh, situation is solid. The foundations are solid. And you've even just got to look at you know, rebuilding. So we're, we're bringing players in early enough now. We, we never ever seem to do that right during the nine in a row period. It was a real frustration where we were buying players in for the Champions League qualifiers that were just round the corner. They were never bedded in. They weren't part of the team properly. Sometimes they were on the bench. I mean, we spent 10 million quid on Julian and Ball and Golly and they both ended up on the bench for the game that we had to win. Bizarre. Uh, so we've got all that all our ducks in a row um, and I think that going into next season we're going to get even stronger and even if you think about it we've been talking a lot about the situation with the loan players um, by the way 
obviously Liam Scales' loan deal worked out all right for us as well. But um, if you look at the 12 players, the, the fees that we could potentially get for them, we're going to lose money on most of them, um, getting them off the wage bill, turning that into two or three first-team players who are contributing, um, Lloyd. But also, just reading this morning, um, obviously Tierney probably will leave Arsenal. We get a sell-on for him. Frimpong is likely to move on from uh, Bayer Leverkusen. We get the sell-on. Um, and Celts are here. We're talking about uh, Christie. There being a, a clause in his deal that if Bournemouth stay up, we get a million quid. Um, so that that information has mm-hmm. been presented to Celts are here. I mean, you look at all that and there's a wee job to be done there. So you bring the money in for those three players that uh, all the work's been done on those deals. If you're able to to move on six, seven, eight of the loanees and you, you bring in players, Lloyd, that, you know, we've already got a great squad, I think. But if you bring in another three or four, then if you're untouchable this season domestically, it's just going to get better next season. Yeah, of course it is. It's and that's that's what we should have been doing years ago, rather than stagnating players over. I mean, look at Edward Ayer Christie in that that season, and they just didn't want to be there at all. So move the guys on that don't want to be there. Obviously, you bring the money in, like you just mentioned there, Paul, and you just reinvest it into better quality players. Mm-hmm. That's what we should have been doing years ago. We should have, when, when we had that domination. And I think that it was brought up during the week, Stephen, and I found it really interesting. And I've already spoken about the Neil Lennon interview that he gave earlier this week to PLZ. Because one of the interesting things that I, I found was he, he did speak about the players that wanted to move on. Um, I don't think he named them, but you know you, you could guess that it's the three that eventually left when Ange came in, and Eduard, Christie and Ayer. Um, but the, the way he explained it was much better than we're just keeping the players um, against their will. And then all season, you look at the body language and we all become body language experts. So there's Christy scoring a goal and no celebrating. There's Eduard looking as though he's in a huff. Um, I don't think you can criticise Chris Iyer. I thought he, he performed as well as he possibly could in that particular season. But he explained it to us, Stephen. And you think, you're sitting there listening to that interview thinking, well, why didn't you come out and explain it a wee bit better as a club? Not Lenny. I think Lenny was thrown to the wolves a wee bit. But as a club, the engagement was wrong. Um, but we're not really in that situation because if Ange is faced with that, even if it's three players, and I don't think it will be this summer, I think maybe one one or two uh, maximum might move on. Uh, I think Abad has been spoken about, Stephen. I've got the confidence that Ange will not only move them on quickly, but have a replacement either already in the building or lined up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's what Ange was talking about when he said we have to be more agile in the transfer market. Um, now, I wouldn't rule out uh, more than one player leaving. If we get a, a big bid in for someone like Cameron Carter-Vickers, I can see the club considering it, considering we've got Kobayashi ready to step into the first team who's performed quite well when he's came in. Don't want it to happen, but I think that's what Ange is driving at when he tells us that. Um, and it'll also be interesting to see the sort of level of player we're going for. You know, this is we're into like sort of phase two of Angie's rebuild. He's patched all the holes in the team and got a really good squad together, but he now wants to take us up a level. And when you consider it last summer, a lot of people forget that we paid seven and a half million pounds to make Jota's deal permanent. Um, if we bring in ten million for for a badder, which is the f- the figure being mooted. Um, and then going by with that, a player around about the seven, eight million pounds mark, um, then that's really good business for us. And that's sort of 
what we always wanted to see. And I think where the clubs fell down in the past, when they've made big profits on players, they've tried to go cheap for the replacement to maximise the profit again that they, that they get the next time. But what we should be doing is looking at what teams like Ajax and you know Porto and Benfica are doing. They, they move up a grade of players that they're recruiting after they sell for big money. And I think we're in a position now, we're dominating the league, uh, and, and for us to kick on in Europe, that, that's the direction we need to go. And I, I think Angie's aware of that. You know what? It, it's, it makes perfect sense because Jota and Carter Vickers was that upgrade, wasn't it? And if you bring in mm-hmm. another couple of uh, stalwarts like that in the summer, then you know the signs are good. I do expect, I think, twice now we've lost a couple because I think we lost uh, Beaton and Rogic. And, and at that time, a lot of us might have kept day two players, but we were able to replace them. Um, then Juranovic and Yakamakis able to replace them. I think Johnson um, has been widely accepted, uh, maybe universally accepted as being a great replacement. And we've still to see more of O to see if he's able to replace the big man. Um, guys, I cannot let you go without a prediction for Sunday. Now, Lloyd, your weekend starts tonight because you're coming to Gracie's to see Alan Thompson in action. And by the way, before we started, I think there was seven or eight tickets left. Eight tickets left. Eight tickets left. So if you want to come along, the ticket link's under the the, the video. Come along, get involved, uh, get your weekend started, um, start early for Sunday and ask Tom a question or two. I think there's a few prizes and all that happening as well, so you might walk away with something nice and signed. Um, but I need a prediction from you, Lloyd. I'm going to come to you first. 4-1, Kyogo, first goal scorer. 4-1, I like the confidence. Stephen, um, first of all, before you give me your, your prediction, how are you going to watch the game? Where are you going to watch it? Yeah, well, you know, the kickoff times uh, are not great for us uh, in the east coast of Australia, so it'll be like half past ten in a, in a Sunday evening. So there's half of me wants to make the trip down to the, to, into the city and go and watch it in the pub, but with uh, with work required on Monday morning, I may be watching it at home. Um, but as long as, you know, as far as the game's concerned, as long as it doesn't go to penalties, because we've, we've got an awful record Aye. both in scoring penalties and Joe Hart saving penalties. Um, so so I hope that doesn't happen. But nah, I don't think it will. I think we'll win the game. Um, I've got to say 3-0. Uh, and I think Kyogo, I agree with, with Lloyd, Kogo will get on the score sheet and I think Jota will also. So I think they two, Jota and Kyogo, will share the three goals between them. Love it. And that means that Kyogo will break the 30-goal mark for the season. Thanks, everybody, for getting yeah. involved. As I say, a few tickets left. Come along, uh, meet the Axom team and um, meet Alan Thompson. Get involved at Gracie's tonight. It's the start of a phenomenal weekend, which might end with us heading towards a world record eighth treble. We're not counting our chickens, but if we get through the tie on Sunday, I'm pretty sure Celtic will be hot favourites for that. I've got to say, Stephen, thank you very much for making your debut uh, on Axom. We can see Stephen more regularly on Celtic Down Under. Check them out. That's their crest on the top right of the screen. Thank you to you and Lloyd for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.